Welcome everybody, in person, live, on Zoom, on Facebook. I appreciate everybody joining this evening. And what I titled this class or this discussion is Rosh Hashanah, how should we begin the new year? Rosh Hashanah, this time of year, where there's a lot of talk of repentance, of change, how are we going to improve, what are we going to improve on, it could be very daunting. It could be very telling, where we start out, we have to at least first admit to ourselves, I have something wrong, I do need to work on something, and then we finally have the resolve that, all right, I'm ready to do it. Or at least I have stuff, a bunch of things to work on, to improve. And then we kind of get a little sometimes lost or overwhelmed of what steps should I take first? How should I do it? Where the evil inclination is trying to get us to give in, to not improve. So he's going to put a lot of stumbling blocks, hindrances to make sure that we don't go ahead and actually improve. And we may ask ourselves, what now? All right, I, I, I'm kind of ready. Change, scary, yeah, but, but I'm ready. But what do I do? I have a whole laundry list of so many different things that I need to improve on where many times we end up the next year exactly where we were the previous year because we didn't end up following through. And the most important thing when it comes to this is how we begin the new year. What should our perspective be? How should we approach Rosh Hashanah? How should we approach Yom Kippur? This time of year of introspection, of repentance, of change. How should we approach that? What should be our starting point, our attitude, our perspective going forward that will allow us to put ourselves on the right path, take the first correct step to make sure that we don't get overwhelmed, to make sure that we don't get discouraged, to make sure that we continue to push through the many different challenges, not just now as we begin on that journey of spiritual change, but throughout the year, there's going to be, we get in that little bit of a rut or we get into a certain habit where it's very hard to snap out of it. What should our perspective be? Next Shabbos, not this Shabbos, next Shabbos. The Shabbos in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is called Shabbos Shuva. The Shabbos of repentance. Now repentance is something that really applies every single day. We say it three times a day in our Shemona Esrei that we should repent. We should try to rectify our ways. Why is that Shabbos, next Shabbos, called Shabbos Shuvah, the Shabbos of repentance, other than what we may feel is the obvious because it's smack in the middle of the 10 days of repentance? Because the Haftorah begins with the following verse. Shuvah Yisrael Ad Hashem that the prophet Hosea says to the Jewish people, return Israel to Hashem your God. So because the Haftorah that we read begins Shuva, return. So this is the Shabbos known as Shabbos Shuva. And there's a couple questions that are asked on this verse. 
And based upon these questions, we will reveal the proper attitude, the proper perspective we should have going forward. The Jewish people are referred to as one of two names. We are either the B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel. That's the most common. But we could also be referred to as the B'nai Yaakov, the children of Jacob. Where Jacob himself is actually throughout the Torah referred to both names. Yaakov and Yisrael. And we as his children mainly carry the name Yisrael and there's a reason for that as we will see. But it's interesting. Avram, when his name was changed, originally it was Avram and then it was changed to Avraham because his whole mission changed. He now became the Av Hamon Goyim. He became the father to many nations, Yishmol and Yitzchak. So once that changed, his name changed, his mission changed, his purpose in life changed. And throughout the rest of the Torah, he's referred to as Avraham. Sarai was Sarai, then became Sarah. And she was always then referred to as Sarah, never back to Sarai. Yet Yaakov, He's called Yaakov. He fights with the angel. The angel, God, changes his name to Yisrael. But then he's referred to as both. There are times in the Torah he's referred to Yisrael. There are times in the Torah afterwards he's referred to Yaakov. Why is it as such and why are we, his descendants, sometimes referred to as the children of Jacob? As we can see in many different verses. I'm not going to start quoting all the verses. And then most commonly by us and in many verses as well, it's also the B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel. So that's one question. Why over here does the prophet specifically refer to us as Israel? And we'll expound upon that question. Why is that such a question? Because the commentaries tell us, the Talmud, when are we, the Jewish people, referred to as the children of Jacob? And when are we referred to as the children of Israel? It depends on how we're acting. When we've stooped very low, when we are going through challenges, through turmoil, we as a nation are not acting appropriately, there we are referred to as the children of Jacob, Yaakov. But when we have reached a high level, when we are soaring, when we are growing, when we haven't stumbled, then we are referred to with the name of Yisrael, Israel. Because Yaakov got that name Yisrael after he fought with the angel and he, Vatuchal, he overcame. He won. He beat the angel of Esau. So Yisrael, that aspect to overcome, we the Jewish people are referred to it as such when we overcome, when we are growing tremendously spiritually, when we are close to God, clinging to God. But when we stoop low, when we have not overcome those challenges, when we are not reaching that level of Yisrael, of close to God, of overcoming the challenges, beating the angel, then we're referred to as the children of Yaakov. So let me ask you, the Jewish people, the prophet comes and gives a speech, repent Israel, 
Do you have to tell someone to repent when they're doing the correct thing or when they're not doing the correct thing? Clearly, they're doing the correct, the incorrect thing. They're not acting appropriately. They have stumbled. They have fallen to a low level to the point that the prophet has to come, Hosea, and give a public announcement. Repent, as the verse ends, Ki because you have stumbled with your sins. Then why does he refer to us as Yisrael? Repent to Israel. No, that's not the word that you use. We're not at that level right now. It should be repent, children of Jacob. Because that's how we're referred to when we're not acting appropriately. That's question number one. And question number two is, it's an interesting language. Repent, Israel, on Hashem Elokecha, until Hashem your God. Meaning, obviously God is all over, but the Talmud tells us that tshuva, repentance, has the ability to reach the Kisei Yaakov, God's throne of glory. And that's what is referenced here. Repent, Israel, until it reaches the throne of glory. When someone's repenting, and their repentance has reached the level of the throne of glory, we would assume, we would think that they've already begun that process. They're well into that process. And they've been climbing that ladder step by step till eventually they reached the throne of glory. They had to continuously grow within their repentance, building and building and adding another rung to the ladder until they reach there. But we wouldn't tell somebody who's at the low point, repent and jump all the way to the throne of glory. <laughs> There's a lot of steps here. I'm not at that level right now. You're publicly telling me to repent, meaning we as a nation have so much to improve on, yet you tell me to go all the way to the throne of glory? Do you skip every single step and just bam, jump all the way up there? Those are the two questions, not my questions, or Chaim Friedlander, who was the mashkiach of the Panavet Yeshiva in his books, if Sefsei Chaim asks. So again, why does the prophet refer to the Jewish people as Yisrael when that is only used when we are holding on a high level of spirituality, of closeness to God, not stumbling, not falling? Yet here he says, repent! And uses the name that shouldn't be used when he's telling us to repent. Clearly, we've fallen. And what does it mean? All the way to the throne of glory. You got to do some steps first. When you're that low, you can't just jump all the way up there. You have to gradually take it all the way up. Those are the two questions. And with these two questions, we'll be able to understand the perspective that we should have, not just for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur this time of year, but this is really for the entire year. This is really the approach to Judaism from the get-go. How we should view ourselves, how we should view our relationship with God, how the Torah views us. But it many times comes to light this time of year when we're setting those goals, when we are committing ourselves, at least now, to change, to grow. The Torah discusses the rebellious son. 
And the rebellious son is put to death. He's, the Torah describes, he's a glutton, he's maybe stealing. But the reality is, it's not so clear as to what exactly he is doing wrong. To the point that actually there are commentaries, which we'll see in a moment, Nachmanides, that he actually didn't do anything right now necessarily in the moment, but it's what he will do. Which is not something that the Torah punishes for. God looks at us right now, not what will be, because we could always change. What did this rebellious child do? Which again, the Torah says, sorry, the Talmud says, this never actually happened to fulfill all of its requirements. But if it would be so, what did the rebellious child do that would warrant the death penalty? Says Nachmanides as follows. There are two sins that he committed, two punishments that he is, that he needs to be punished for. One, he cursed his parents, rebelled against them. That's one. And two, the fact that he is a glutton. He violates the commandment of Kedoshim to you, you shall be holy. You should be holy. And included in being holy is another verse, Nachmanides says, that he should cling to God. So he cursed the parents, that's one. That's one. I'm sure a lot of us are thinking, I've cursed my parents before. Um, am I going to get the death penalty? It's not appropriate to curse one's parents. But this is using the name of God and things like that. So cursing the parents and Kedoshim to you, you shall be holy. You should cling to God. And the fact that you, this rebellious child, is a glutton is the antithesis of those traits. Clinging to God, being holy, is not being a glutton. And therefore, because of these two things, Nachmanides says, that is why he is punished. He's punished. Let me ask you a question. How many of us, how many people in today's day and age, and if I go back to previous generations as well, how many people have actually fulfilled the commandments of Kedoshim to you, you shall be holy, of clinging to God, it's not like he's an anomaly. It's not like, oh, I can't believe you rebellious child didn't do that. Everyone else is doing it. No, that's not the case. Most people are not. The select few, the great holy rabbis in the generations, select few people are the ones that are living their life holy and clinging to God. Patterning themselves. Every single aspect of it is as such. Most of us, maybe at times, but to say that we are constantly doing that in that state, no. So how could it be that we hold this child to such a high standard when none of us are really doing it? And my Rosh Shiva Rav Hanath Leibitz explained with the following concept. A 
I'm going to give an example of this concept before. I like to give the sports examples. It's just something that I grew up with. Very much a part of me. So being a Braves fan. In the 90s. Watching a lot of games. There was always one team that I hated. One team that I hated. And that was the New York Yankees. I hated the New York Yankees. They always had the Braves number. Braves won the World Series in 95. We should have won a lot more. We had the best rotation in baseball history. And we only won one championship. I know we are the reigning champs now. But 96, Yankees. 99, Yankees. And there were always these people that were the heroic people. Not necessarily the big name superstars, but there were always these heroic people. The Ricky Ledays, the Shane Spencers, the Scott Broches, and Chuck Knobloch. But then something brought me much joy. And again, it wasn't anything against Chuck Knobloch. It was just the fact that he was a New York Yankee. Chuck Knobloch played second base, and he was a great second baseman. Great hitter, great fielder, and then all of a sudden, he got the yips. If you go on YouTube and see the clips, he couldn't make the throw from second base. The shortest throw from second base to first base. He was throwing it in the stands. He hit a player's mother once. I mean, it was, it was, it was, I felt horrible for him, but it was hilarious to watch. He couldn't make the throw. Another player. In order for the Braves to get the World Series, to get to the World Series, to play the Yankees, many times they had to go through the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Cardinals had a pitch, pitcher Rick Ankiel. First game, I still remember seeing this first game of the divisional series. He's pitching; he couldn't throw a pitch. He threw about ten wild pitches in the first inning. He couldn't throw to the catcher, known as the Yips. What 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 happened? You're a trained professional baseball player, getting paid. Millions of dollars. You can't make the throw from second base to first base. Because there comes a point where that gets in their head and they believe that they can't do it. They believe that they can no longer do it. Chuck Nablad got moved to left field. He couldn't make the throw anymore. They kicked him out of second base. You can't make the throw. Because once you get to a point where it happens and then I can't do it anymore, that's what I believe. I believe that I can't do it. Explains my Roshiva, he wasn't talking about Chuck Nablok. But explains my Roshiva, you know what the issue with this rebellious child was? The issue with this rebellious child was that he didn't have the Sha'ifa. The desire for greatness. The desire to grow. The desire to accomplish. That I could reach the greatest heights. This child didn't have that. And because he didn't have that, he didn't try to attain it. Because he believed that he couldn't. He believed that that was not something that a human being could. So why am I going to push myself? Why am I going to? I'm going to go down the path. Cursing the parents, gluttony. Everybody else, yes, we may stumble. Yes, there may be times that 
we're not necessarily reaching those levels of holy, of clinging to God, but we have the desire to. We understand that it's attainable, that we could. We see with our own eyes people that did. And therefore, because we have that mindset, that perspective, that she'ifa, that desire for growth, that desire for ultimate closeness to God, for greatness, then even though we may not be reaching that level right now, we are very different than the rebellious child. The rebellious child said, I can never ever get there. A human being, no such way that a person could get there, could attain such holy levels, can cling to God. No, 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 no. Once you have that belief, once you tell yourself that I can never ever do it, that human being can't do it, then it's no longer possible. That block is there. The Chuck Knobloch syndrome. I can't make the throw anymore. What do you mean he can't make the throw? I can't do it. He believed he couldn't do it. And that is exactly what happened with this rebellious child. But each and every one of us, yes, it may not always be, but we have that sha'ifa. We have that desire for growth. We have that desire, that possibility in our heads that it's attainable. That is something to strive for. And I'm going to continuously work to try to do that. And Nachmanides, the Ramban, ends off and he says, He didn't do anything wrong per se right now that is deserving of the death penalty, but we judge him on the end. The reason why he's punished, he's put to death, is because we know what's going to be. We know what's going to be. He's going to end up stumbling in sins that are deserving of the death penalty. Which again begs the question, it sounds like there's a contradiction. At first, Nachmanides says he violated sins. He cursed his parents and he violated being holy. He violated clinging to God. And now you're telling me, Nachmanides, that... He didn't do anything wrong right now. It's what's going to be in the future based upon what we see now. It sounds like a contradiction. And my Rashiva of Hanum Chalibutz explained that what Nachmanides is telling us is the sin that the rebellious child is doing now is the fact that he did not have this she'ifa. He did not have this desire, this belief in growth. This belief in what a human being could accomplish, the greatness that somebody could achieve. And because of that, because he didn't believe that someone could attain a level of holiness, someone could reach a level of clinging to God. Therefore, he's deserving of being punished now because that's inevitable. When you believe, when you limit yourself, when you say there's no way we know what's going to happen. And that's the sin right now. The sin is that you as a human being said that we cannot attain such levels. And that is why you are being punished now. And this lesson of the rebellious child is 
the lesson, the perspective that we should have. How should we begin the year? How should we go into a Rosh Hashanah, to a Yom Kippur? Before we decide what we need to change, what we need to improve on, before we get there, we have to instill within ourselves a belief, a she'ifa, a desire, an appreciation for growth. A level that is set that we could attain greatness. That we could reach such levels. Not limiting ourselves, but actually believing that we as human beings have unlimited potential. That we could achieve things greater than the angels. Reach the loftiest of levels. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of work. You start young, you may only reach it at 80, 90, if that. But the belief is there that I could. The belief is there that human beings, we all have that unlimited potential that we are able to reach such greatness. That I'm able to cling to God. That I'm able to be holy in a society that permeates the exact opposite. That preaches the exact opposite. That I am able to get close to God. To pattern myself as such. The sky is the limit. That is how we should begin the year. With that sha'ifa, with that belief. Because when I have that, then I could push through. When I have that, I understand, I have the recognition that I could grow, that I could change, that I could accomplish, that I could come close to God. It's going to take a lot of work, yes, but I could do it. And it's not just me, it's each and every one of us. We have the ability to do that. Now let me see what I could work on. Because if we don't have that starting point, if we don't have that ability, when we start to say, you want me to work on anger? This is how I'm programmed. I get angry all the time. It's just part of my personality. That's how God created me. We have told ourselves that I can't change. We have told ourselves that we are doomed. Whether it's anger, it's jealousy, it's stinginess, it's not being happy with ourselves, with our lot, arrogance, Hatred, so many different things that we want to work on. If we come in with, could I actually accomplish? It's not going to happen. The evil inclination will get us, will get us every single time. Will persuade us. And even if we start and we stumble, he's going to say, ah, you see, there's no point of changing. There's, you can't. You're limited. You're a human being. But if I come in with the recognition, with the belief that I am great. Great because I am a human being. Because I have that neshama, I have that soul inside of me. That selamilakim, that peace of God that was instilled within each and every one of us. And I could accomplish, I could attain the loftiest of levels. Where people could look at somebody... They could see a holy rabbi after working on themselves for decades and they could feel this awe, this holiness, this godliness. Every single one of us has that inside and if we believe that, then the sky is a limit. 
then we won't suffer from the Chuck Knobloch syndrome. And we'll be able to push through. We'll be able to grow because I believe that the sky is the limit that I could grow and improve. Says Reb Chaim Friedlander, you know why the Navi? You know why the prophet says, Shuva Yisrael, repent Israel with the name of Yisrael? The name that is reserved, back to our question, the name that is reserved for the Jewish people when they're on a high lofty level? Here we're sinning. Repent. That means we've sinned. We should be referred to as Yaakov, the children of Yaakov. Why Yisrael? Because the prophet is telling us this message. Yet you have stumbled. You have sinned. You have sunk to the lowest levels. I've got to tell you that. Repent. But I want you to begin with that belief that you are Yisrael. Yaakov accomplished. He overcame. He defeated an angel. And that's how he got that name. That name is given to you, the Jewish people, when you're on the loftiest of levels and you could reach there. And therefore, the prophet says, repent Israel with that name to instill within us that she'ifa, that desire, that level that we want to reach, that goal, which is we could reach the level of being called Israel. Yaakov defeating an angel. We can reach as a nation, as individuals. But the prophet doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just say, repent Israel with that language that you could reach the ultimate heights, but he says, Adoshem Until Hashem your God, till the throne of glory, you are able to reach there. Wait, what do you mean? Isn't it a long process? Someone who's already on step 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, then maybe their repentance is going to get there. But we were way at the bottom, maybe even in the negative. And the prophet is highlighting that your repentance, your abilities as a human being, you have such power, such potential, that you could reach the throne of glory, that your repentance could reach as such. Don't get down on yourselves because you have fallen. You're on the lowest levels. I'm telling you to repent. Look at your name. Yisrael. Defeating an angel. Accomplishing. Growing. Setting the bar so high because that is what we could accomplish. And your repentance could reach all the way to the throne of glory. Yes. As we'll discuss in a moment. Small steps. But the understanding of that's the power that I hold. Now let me go put it into action. And as Rechaim Friedlander says, there's this belief and then there's putting it into action. Many times, what determines a successful year, if you look back on the past year, if you have your list of what I wanted to accomplish, what I wanted to work on, and see those that actually accomplished, that actually grew, and those that didn't. He says success in repentance, in growth, starts out with this desire, this belief in greatness. When there isn't, it falls to the wayside. We don't accomplish what we could be accomplishing, what we should be accomplishing. Because we don't believe that we could. 
And now when it gets a little tough, when we stumble, when those challenges are there, and the evil nation is, that voice inside is telling, ah, come on, come on, come on. You think you could do this? No way you could do this. You're so great, no, no, no. You're not great. Look at look what you just did. When I don't have the belief, then he gets into my head even more. And I end up just giving up. Success in repentance and growth is predicated on this belief that each and every one of us with that precious soul inside could achieve greatness, could reach the greatest heights, could cling to God. Imagine that, clinging to God. We have the ability to reach that now that I believe that. Now that I feel that, now I could have success in repentance. How do I put that into action? Small steps. You're not going to jump to the final level to get all the way to the throne of glory. No, that takes some time. In order to properly grow, we don't just jump from the ground 10 feet up and hope that we make it. We're going to fall flat on our face. But we have to put the rungs in the ladder. And eventually we will be able to get there. But don't think that that ladder is capped at a certain point. No. The belief is that that ladder goes all the way up to the throne of glory. That I could reach there. And now let me begin the process practically and putting the steps in to reach there. But it could reach there. And when I have that belief, then the sky is the limit. And I wanted to end off with this as follows, because sometimes it's hard to really internalize that belief. Sometimes it's hard to feel this Shuva Yisrael, return Israel, that we are called Israel even when we're stumbling, when we've fallen. The prophet is teaching us this lesson. Rabbeinu Yonah wrote Shari Tshuva, The Gates of Repentance, and he wrote a secondary book called Shari Avoda, The Gates of Service. And he goes in different things, steps of our service to God, what we should be focusing on, how we should work on ourselves. And he says the first step, the first step, number one, Shigeda Ish, a person should know, Ha'oved, a person who's the servant, Erech Atzmo, their own value. What is my value? They recognize their own Mila, their own attributes, and the attributes of their forefathers. Their greatness, their importance, their love vis-a-vis -vis God, meaning how God views them. And a person should constantly work and strengthen to hold themselves to that level, to that standard. To work constantly every day to increase, he says, the proper attributes that will bring us closer to God. We have to recognize who we are and where we come from. Who we are we are created, B'tzel Melokim. We are created with that peace of God inside of each and every one of us. And who do we come from? The greatest people to ever walk on the face of this earth. Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, the patriarchs, Sar, Rivka, Rachel, Leah, the matriarchs. That is who we come from. 
We've been speaking, the news has been constantly talking about the queen. And you start to think of the descendants, whether it's going down, who's next in line, and the pecking order of who's next in line, or going all the way back up. So there we could see royalty, royal blood. Who's next in line? Who was in line? One might say, yeah, you're, you're the queen of England. You're the monarchy. You know, look at who you come from. We are so much greater. We come from Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, the patriarchs, the matriarchs, the greatest people to ever walk the face of this earth. They instilled within us traits. They instilled within us a greatness, a love that God has for us because look at who we come from. And therefore, Rabbeinu Yonah continues and he says as follows. If I believe, if I recognize who I come from, the greatest people to ever walk the face of this earth. So the same way that royalty, the dignitaries, they have to hold themselves, conduct themselves in a certain fashion, in a certain manner. That's befitting royalty. If not, incorrect. If they dressed inappropriately, not modestly, if they said the wrong thing, acted inappropriate, it'll be on the front pages of the, everybody. How could you act in such a manner? Look at who you are. Do you not understand? You're, you're the queen. You're the king. You're the prince. You're the princess. You come from royalty. How could you act in such a way? You have to hold yourself to a higher standard, says Rabbeinu Yonah. That is exactly our thought process. When we do something, when we are looking into our actions to have a recognition, to have a feeling of, who am I? Who do I come from? Wow. I come from royalty. Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. We are a mamleches konim, a kingdom of priests. That is who I descend from, the patriarchs, the matriarchs. And now let me ask myself, am I acting according to that standard? Am I following in their footsteps? Am I acting befitting of such a person that has that peace of God, that descends from the greatest people? Is this appropriate for how that person should be acting if the answer is yes, great. But if the answer is yeah, I wouldn't really want them to know. It's not something that would be great for someone of my stature. Then we should reevaluate. But it all ties into this specific aspect of this she'ifa, of this bar that we are setting. It's unlimited. And that's how we begin a Rosh Hashanah. That is how we begin the new year. Not... Step two, what am I going to change? How am I going to change? That gets overwhelming. Step one is the belief that we as a human being are great, are intrinsically great. As Jewish people, we descend, we are royalty, we come from the greatest people. Look at what they accomplished, look at what I could accomplish. And therefore, with that belief, the sky is the limit. I'm able to go through this year. Will be challenges, yes. But I'm able to push through. I'm able to believe. I'm able to feel that I could achieve greatness. 
that rebellious child didn't see that. He suffered from the Chuck Knobloch syndrome. He just couldn't do it. But each and every one of us, the way we begin the year is the sky is the limit then, God willing. We'll have atzlach, we'll have success in our repentance because we began on the right foot with the proper perspective, with the proper attitude. May we be able the next few days until Rosh Hashanah to internalize this perspective, to internalize this message of the unlimited greatness that we human beings can achieve. And now that I believe that, now that I feel that, let me go tackle this new year. Let me go improve on what I need to improve on to change what I could change. Because I know that I can. And I will slowly build up the steps in the ladder to reach all the way to the Kisiyakava, to the throne of glory. Then we'll have a successful year in our service of God, in our growth and spirituality. I wish everyone a ksiva v'chasimatova. We should all be written, sealed for good in the book of life. I hope everybody has an uplifting Rosh Hashanah, an uplifting Yantiv, and hopefully we'll be able next year to come as changed individuals because of the growth that we attained, the growth that we achieved throughout this past year. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this evening.